0: Um, I'm not great parent Molly, and this is not great parent Nathan. Yes,
1: and the reason we're laughing is because we have had a time trying to get going this morning. Yes, I so. just
0: called myself Nathan a minute ago. Yes, so. so
1: yeah, not a great start, but that's okay. That
0: is okay. So uh, we're going for goodness anyway, so yes. we're not going for greatness. You know, we as parents, we want to not pursue the greatness that the world tells yes. us to pursue, but yet um, turn our family toward the goodness that God has and the Absolutely. goodness and the plans that he has for our lives yeah so we uh shoot for being intentional about that and that's what yes. we talk about on here so
1: which I think it helps especially when you're parenting to really just for a moment and I think even with the conversation we're going to have today and the, and the question that, that got sent to us It's really important for us to always be intentional. My goal in all of these conversations is to draw my kids, draw their eyes toward Jesus, Mm -hmm. and the kind of vision that Jesus has for life in the kingdom, Mm -hmm. life in God's goodness, because it will look different than what this world says is a great life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important thing for us. Just, as you said, just be intentional about that in every conversation.
0: And it doesn't happen overnight. It's just, no. you know, yes. it's it's not like you're going to listen to one one of our episodes right. and go, okay, I got this figured out, as we yes. all know as parents. So um, we are going to have a question that we're going to work yes. on a question here that came in. And just if you guys have questions, we would love getting these. Um, we will answer them on these episodes that we do. Yeah. And so there's a form in the show notes. And so feel free to submit any question that you have in there.
1: Yeah.
0: So let's go with today's question. You all to right. It?
1: Yeah, this is a long question, so you're gonna have to to stick with me. In fact, at the end of the question, the person says, sorry, this is so long. So, (laughs) here you go. How can I instill truth into my children in a world where LGBTQ is accepted? How do I teach them the correct way to handle those difficult situations? Honestly, it feels like our opinion doesn't line up with, oh, sorry, if our opinion doesn't line up with theirs, then we are wrong and unloving and unaccepting. How do we teach them to love them, but not accept their truth? So I'm assuming um, that this question, I I hadn't thought about this until I read it through it this time, that when they say, how do I teach them the correct way to handle those difficult situations? Honestly, it feels like if our opinion uh, doesn't line up with theirs, then we're wrong. I, I'm trying not to make a lot of assumptions when I read these, but I have to do some just to be able to right. answer it. Right When you say, honestly, it feels like if our opinion doesn't line up with theirs, I don't know if you're talking about if your opinion as the parent doesn't, doesn't line, up up line up with your kid's opinion.
0: Or your pain, or your belief as a Christian doesn't right, line up with... with the
1: world's opinion. No. So it's hard to know. Uh, but I think this is a question. I've actually had uh, several other parents, not like in a pastoral way, come and ask me, but just have had this conversation of, I feel often like when my kids are at school, they hear one thing Mm -hmm. about sexuality and life. And I know that God has a different plan for it. So what, how do we handle those kind of things? And what it sounds to me like this parent is trying to figure out is how do I teach my kid how to handle difficult conversations about it right. when i heard difficult situations that's where those it's where, where right. my brain went
0: that mine as well i was thinking they're they're trying to understand how to help their child maybe navigate through those right. conversations that they might be having with peers or others yeah. but also the conversation at home they don't want to turn their right. child off to christianity or you know they don't want it to become tense even within their own conversation. I think it's twofold.
1: Yeah, I do. And I, I get why this is a, a, a um, maybe complicated conversation, I think, for a lot of believers, because um, often it does feel like this has become kind of a central issue in our world as far as you know if there was a while and it's still this way but i don't feel like it's as much where it was kind of faith versus science mm-hmm. you know that it kind of felt like you couldn't be a believer and accept certain scientific facts and i know that's still true in lots of places but i don't hear that as much anymore but i do hear a lot of thoughts that is if you are a believer. Um, if you are a Christian, mm-hmm. the, at least this is the kind of view from the outside, and maybe even the view of many people inside. That means you have to be somehow anti-LGBTQ plus. Like right. you, whatever that issue is, you have to be anti that group of people or that person. Mm-hmm. And I know in my life I have several different people that, for them, they fit somewhere in that kind of you know as it's often referred to as the spectrum kind yeah, of. Yeah. of that thing. They identify somewhere in that and, uh, you know, I think sometimes it can be um, difficult to kind of hold up God's view of what sexuality is right. um, in our own minds. And so I get that with our kids. Um, I think the first thing you and I, when we were kind of prepping this and kind of talking about it, is to try and help kind of calm the anxieties, I think, of a little bit of parents. That, I think so, too. That kind of think that this is a Conversation that their kids are going to kind of be confronted with all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I don't mean that I get that in the school system, I think things probably have gotten even more confusing for kids in all regards when it comes to sexuality. I think they're, you know, and I'm trying to say this with the best intentions of people on on all sides of this issue. I think people have been trying to bring clarity, but I think the amount of clarity that's being brought is actually making things more confusing Mm -hmm. for kids to understand How do I interact as a sexual person in the world? Which is a weird conversation even to have with young kids and and teenagers uh, in the way that I think it's being had.
0: But... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was like, and part of that is because we as adults are also getting it wrong. Yes. And meaning... You know, even me and my husband. Let's say sure, we may, yes. maybe are getting aspects of that wrong, and then Absolutely. it's a, it's a challenging conversation with our children, and yes. and so you know, it's it becomes difficult, and then we also take on a lot of anxieties about it. Yes. and um, you know, we also have made it such a big thing right. that having any conversation around sex, sexuality, God's plan, other plan, whatever right. it is is a tense thing and it quite frankly we we want to make it not so we want to say
1: yeah just calm calm down calm (laughs) the anxiety a little around it and i think the anxiety often is is what if my kid what if i kind of instill that's what the first thing i instill the truth that god has for sexuality in my Mm -hmm. kid right and then they are confronted in a conversation about what do you think about these you know whatever LGBTQ issues or maybe they have a friend who comes out as gay or they come out and they 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 come out to them and then they go, well how are they going to handle that situation? And so I would one kind of try to calm the anxiety of I in my entire life have never had someone just come up to me. I've had Christians come up to me right. as almost a litmus test of, so where do you stand on the this issue or that issue yes. or these different things? I have rarely ever, even for the people in my life who identify as gay or lesbian, here. I've never had them come to me and go, all right, tell me what you think about me. Never. I've
0: never had that. Because
1: I hope that through our friendship and the way that I I love, and many of them, because many of them even who deal with same-sex attraction, who are even within our church or have attended our church, Mm -hmm. they've heard me speak about God's plan for sexuality, and they know where I stand. They've never confronted me and said, now you've got to tell me what you think about this. So I don't think that's going to happen with your kid a bunch, but I have had people in my life who have come out to me. Who have, who have come out and said, have told me, hey, this is, this is who I am okay. and this is how I identify. And so I would really encourage your, your kid, before we even get to the truth of God, to always just approach those situations with love and honesty and to not make it about themselves. Right.
0: And, and not make it this defining thing of that person. Right. You know, it, because then once you've done that, you've labeled, and now mm-hmm. that—we per- are called to love everyone. Right. <laughs> and so when we've decided that we're going to type somebody and, yes. and, and only focus on that, then we're going to miss the love part. And like yes. you said with your friends, and I've got plenty of friends, too, that they— the overwhelming part is the love. And yeah. so it's the fact that I love them right where they're at. But, you know, it doesn't mean there's not truth involved in, the, in it. It means that I see that God loves them too. Isn't
1: well, and that's not the point of that conversation even. No. If a person comes to me and tells me something about themselves and my first it, reaction is to tell them what I think about that, mm-hmm. that's not a loving response. And I'll, I'll give you one that is removed from this because this issue is, I know, testy for a lot of people. I I had a a friend of mine I was with them when they were just talking with their parents and they kind of off the cuff said oh my therapist said this the other day and the parent looked at them and said you didn't tell me you were going to therapy why wouldn't you tell me you were going to therapy why are you going why aren't you why aren't you well and they made it about them this person was telling them hey I'm going to therapy and your first response is what have I done wrong as a parent that you wouldn't tell me Mm. now you may feel all of those things right but that's not the response. When sometimes you go into therapy, they go, well, probably in that one, because it was off the cuff, you just go, oh, okay. Zip it and listen. <laughs> and if you have questions to maybe ask, is it okay if I ask you, what, you know, is there something going on? Is there some way I can love and support you? Right. All those kind of things. So I would try and do the same thing. I teach my kid to be, even if you disagree, even if you think and you believe that God's plan for sexuality is the right plan for sexuality. That when, when someone's having a conversation with you and maybe they come out to you or maybe you're just having a conversation and they're already out and they say, I don't know if you know, but I'm, and then they tell you what it mm-hmm. is, that their response wouldn't be, can I tell you what I think about this? Their response would be, oh, yes. okay, well, thank you for telling me. Mm-hmm. Thank you for telling I'm sure that was probably hard to talk about. I love you. Is there some way I can love and support you? Mm-hmm. You don't have to come out and go, hey, I'm proud of you. I think that's the right choice and you should, you know, I know that that's often how it feels in our world is that you've got to somehow now be, to be accepting means you need to be a uh, pro- promotional of it, of like, mm-hmm. I'm all behind right. whatever you want to do, do you. You yeah. do you and I'll, you know, I'll do me and all that kind of stuff. There is another option, which is to say, thank you for sharing this with me.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: appreciate that you love and feel safe enough with me that to we, we can talk like about this. this. And I think that eases a lot of anxiety of well, what if they have to tell them that that, and then this is the part. I think you do need to instill the truth about sexuality with your own children. Oh, yes. I think you do. And so we want to whenever we have this so that there's no confusion around it. We do believe as a church that God's plan for sexuality is that all sexual expression, right, Mm -hmm. is done in the means of a context of a man and a woman one man one woman who are married who are committed to one another for life until death do you part that there is no sexual expression outside that that's okay whether it be same-sex attraction or whether it be opposite sex attraction my my uh my my daughters, right, who at, at this point, I don't even think they're thinking about that part, it, either side of that, who they're attracted to, they might have a crush on this right. boy or whatever. There is no sexual expression until they are married that they're allowed to. Doesn't, a thought in their head, a website they visit, some kind of way to just express themselves sexually in a physical relationship, none of that until they are married is God's plan. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where you have to start is by, one, just explaining that to your kids Mm -hmm. in as honest of a term as you can. And so the way I've often said it is I think you need to, as a parent, have these conversations early and and often. often. Early and often. Early and often. I think earlier than you think is necessary, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: more often than you would ever want to have to do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we often, we often, and I know for me it was some this one big conversation, yes. right? Well, mine wasn't really big because it was so late in the game that it was. You're like, talking about your like personal par- one with your parents. My personal one with my parents. My, you know, it was so there wasn't a lot of conversation about even like our bodies or anything prior to that, right? And so then my mom one day just tells me what, you know, tells me, but I'm already very old. And it was not an early thing. Mm -hmm. It was not an often thing. And so then it became, you know, a kind of Scary conversation, mm-hmm. and so I, I hope my kids don't remember the talk, you yes. know, because it happened so early yes. and it happened so often yes. that it was a series of, it was just a series of discussions mm-hmm. or a series of things that were just part of what I, as a parent, were teaching them. Right. Um, you know, I have boys, so most is <laughs> probably going to come from my hu- It comes from my husband, but also just that it wasn't this one. Big thing. It was mm-hmm. an early and an often.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. and so I would I would start there. When you talk about how do I instill the truth early and often, and if you're already past the early part, then it's just got to have to be often. <laughs> 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 no, the benefit then the, get started. Yeah, the benefit of the early part. I'll say this: if you got young kids, is you get to be the one who sets the context right. for it. When you wait until, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say a number that some of you think it's too early. When you wait until they're nine. Mm-hmm. You have waited too long. When you have waited until they're nine, because, and I know you think it's not true, but if they're nine, that means they're in third or fourth fourth grade. There is some other third or fourth grader who either themselves, because you don't know what their family unit is like, has seen something in a movie, has seen something pornographic, has an older sibling that is telling them things, and it is probably most likely not correct and so they're hearing third right. fourth fifth hand knowledge to them then they're reinterpreting it the whole thing gets off and so I would as soon as you can as soon as you think they'd even be able to understand how it works right to be able to try and at least have I call it the mechanics conversation right the science behind it this right. is what I the way it often started with us Um, with all of our kids and we and we did we got our Mm -hmm. our our oldest girls later in their life and i just knew we're gonna we we had this conversation within like three months of them moving into our home because it was important for us to understand these are why you know we refer to them as private parts we also refer to them i would say this too as penis and vagina Mm. some of you don't even like that i said that on a church (laughs) podcast i would use the medical terms for them um but it was important <laughs> it was important for Sawyer wants I'm to sorry. leave the room I'm right now because I, I heard like Sawyer so okay Sawyer so- 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 wants to I'm chuckle hearing me, hearing me say that but I would have the conversations, because it was important for us, and we don't even use like good touch, bad touch conversations no. in our family, but we have conversations about these are private parts, mm-hmm. they are for you, right, and like a doctor occasionally has to check them, right, yes, and sometimes even. mommy and daddy have to help you with things, but other than those handful of people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: this is just for you, Right? you don't share this with anyone, and then we explain why, Right? we explain, we explain to them, at a pretty guy, four for you know five for some of them of uh, these are parts that they make babies mm-hmm. this is what they are for and then i didn't go into all the details around the mechanics but we started at early age so that they understood when they had a question of well how might that be used for a baby yes we didn't talk about storks no we didn't talk we didn't talk about babies coming out of mommy's tummies mm-hmm. we said this is where the baby comes out if you have honest conversations about it with kids yes. and you're trying to explain to them this is the mechanics then at some point and I would say once again younger than you think you have to you start having the conversation about what I would call maybe God's vision or the morality behind it which is this is why God intends for this once you understand that these are really just they're private for you, and I even said in those early conversations. And then one day you're probably going to want to get married, and mm-hmm. for me, out all girls, and that's going to be just for you and your husband to share. Mm-hmm. But I didn't still get into everything at that point. Mm-hmm. You kind of let them drive the conversations. How do babies get made? Can you remind me how that happens? Mm-hmm. You let them then start talking, and then you start having conversations about, hey, this is kind of the morality that God intended this to be a sacred, special thing mm-hmm. for a husband and wife to share as a way to one bond them closer together one to make babies yes mm-hmm. it is a fun and a pleasurable thing that happens mm-hmm. but that's something that husbands and wives get to share but mostly it's the sacred gift god gave us and in some kind of way it mirrors the kind of intimacy god wants to have with us that it allows it's it's the time that you can be actually like in the garden of eden naked and unashamed in front of right. another person that you don't see your body as this shameful thing that you mm-hmm. have to cover up because you're afraid that everyone else is going to try and use you or abuse you or all the different things Mm -hmm. that kind of get mixed in there. That is another reason I would encourage you once again when you're having these conversations early to use the right terms Mm -hmm. because the amount of just unfortunately in our world abuse that is rampant, the amount that it's important for your child, one, to understand, no one else should be looking at those parts of my body Mm -hmm. or touching those parts of my body. And also that they would be able to clearly communicate to you what happened when it happened. Mm -hmm. You know, going through foster training, one of the things that's just horrific that you learn is the amount of kids who are trying to communicate their abuse to a teacher or to a youth minister or children's minister, but because they don't know the right terms. They can't. they, They can't. They say it to them. They say, this person touched this but they don't call it what it is and the one, in particular one group of parents referred to it as a cookie oh gosh and so the child said that so and so touched my cookie and the teacher just thought oh, okay they're telling me and because the, the teacher's busy they're like okay I you know I don't care about that story mm-hmm. go away because I think it's just a story about a cookie well then it comes out later that they were reporting sexual abuse you as a parent want your child to be able to understand this is something that should not be happening right
0: and using other terms and and things honestly there's a lot of shame like you just said around sex and so when we create these other terms and things we add to that and We don't, I mean, we don't want to instill uh-huh. shame on yeah. <laughs> within it. And yes. I think that when we start making words like cookie or yeah. things that are just not what it really is, we're saying, we can't say what it really is because it's so bad.
1: Right. And you
0: really just speak to what it really is.
1: And so then when you get to the point that they understand the mechanics and they're young enough. And once again, if you've got a teenager and you haven't had this conversation, I would, in in whatever way you can, try and talk to them because they may have a lot of misinformation, but you're probably not having a long mechanics talk because they probably get enough of it and they get how it works. You want to have a conversation about God's vision of sexuality, which is that it would be, as we said, one man, one woman, who are married for life, and that it is this beautiful, sacred thing that happens, um, and that ultimately we want that all sexual expression is something that happens within the realm of what God wants for it. Mm-hmm. And so then as I say to my kids, cause they see stuff on TV right. and they say, they, they see same sex couples on TV and they ask me, what is that? What is that about? Mm-hmm. Cause that's not the vision of sexuality that I told them that God had. So what I say is, I say, God's vision of sexuality, which is the right and best way for us to live, is that it would be one man, one woman married forever. But there are people who choose because they see people on TV who live together and they're not married. They see that that people make a joke about they've had sex and they're not married. I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, opposite sex couples. And then they see same sex couples. And I say, look, there are people in our world that and I say because unfortunately, the way we deal with sexuality in our world, it's very complicated for many of us. And so a lot of people for varying reasons. I said there's a lot of reasons that people might choose to express their sexuality that way. I said, they live that. They are living that way and they're behaving that way and they're acting that way and they even identify that way. And our job is not to go around trying to police what everyone else does or even trying to make sure everybody else in the world knows what they should or shouldn't do. Mm -hmm. Our main goal is to help people love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if they can see Jesus, Jesus will lead them through the church to that kind of vision, Mm -hmm. that if they stay open to Jesus, they will see that kind of vision. And so being able to help my daughters understand, I can hear it sometimes when my daughters say it. You know, they'll be having a conversation, they'll talk about some TV show, and there'll Mm -hmm. be two women who are together, two men are together, and they'll say, they'll say, well, that's not the way God wants it, but those are still good people, and we still love them, and all those kind of things. And so I would encourage you to try and have very gracious conversations with your kid, especially because, as confusing as our world is, there may come a time that one of your children comes out to you
0: Exactly.
1: and you want to make sure that you have had such gracious conversations they know you are a safe place to have that kind of conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I think, that, I think that's also why it's important to have often conversations because, and this is where I really wanted us to talk about, not just same-sex attraction or LGBTQ, to really talk about God's vision for sexuality. Your children, are probably, just by statistically, at some point going to be exposed to pornography. Uh, they are probably going to, in some way, shape, or form, have some kind of physical sexual activity at some point mm-hmm. uh, that is not within God's will. Your ability to have often conversations with them allows them to feel safe to at least talk to you, maybe even confess some things to you. I know my wife, I told her at one point, it once again, just came out offhanded when we were dating in high school. Um, I had said, well, yeah, you know, I told my mom that I was struggling with looking at porn. And she goes, what? you go, okay with
0: all that stuff you told your mom, but guess what? That was Yes, that's
1: what I said. And she goes, why are you telling your mom this? I said, well, who else would I tell? She goes, anyone else. She said literally anyone else. And now I know my mom was very much like, why does he keep telling me these yeah, like, things? Like- but I'm very thankful that I had a relationship where that was not a shameful thing, that I did I not grow up and I've been able to find victory over that because it did not become this deep-seated shame that only I could know about. And I want that for my kids. And I even tell them, I say, hey, this is God's plan. And there may be times that you stray off that plan and you mess, you mess up and things don't go the right way. But I want you to be able to talk to me um, because it's really important that we help our kids realize God's vision for sexuality is really important, but it is not the ultimate it's thing. It's not the only thing. It is not the ultimate thing, and so for them to be able to even to know that about other people at their school, who are all different things, kids at their school who they know are already having sex, or kids at their school who they know are looking at pornography, or mm-hmm. kids at their school who are dealing with same-sex attraction, that they're able to look at those people and say, "Hey, I, that's not what I want for my life, because I know that's not what God wants for my life, mm-hmm. but I still love this person, and that's not all they are to me, and that you know, I think that's so critical.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that 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 as a parent is showing that part of it all. Yes. That that it is not, (gasps) this is now this person, this is the only thing about them. And and that really, God God asks us to do a lot of things, but he asks us to love people. Yes. And he has plans for our life in all areas of our lives. And we should teach our children all those different areas of our lives. But when people, um, our children or others that we love, are not... In alignment with God's plan, we still are going to let our love and, and, yeah. and our love for Jesus yes. show in the way that we love them. Yes. And that is the most important thing that we can do. Well,
1: and, and I think when that becomes my desire, it, it reminds you know me right. of when Paul says, uh, "Who are who are we to judge people outside the church, outside who aren't believers?" Our job is really to be to bring judgment onto people within the church. And that's the part I noticed that no one wants to do. I'm okay judging people I have zero relationship with. But when there's someone in my life, I don't ever want to come to them and go, hey, I don't think you're living up to this. Mm-hmm. And so, what ends up happening a lot is the church gets known about all the sexual things that they think are outside the church. Oh, no one here deals with that, so that's all mm-hmm. out there. Then they find out someone in the church deals with it, and they haven't, and I, I, in my experience, has been enormous amounts of grace. Right. But then they never, they want to go, oh, well, that's fine. God doesn't care about that.
0: Or they go, well, because they're married, then they, then it's in God's plan. Well, yes. there's that whole thing, too. Which, well, yes. That's a whole other topic we could go into. But, yes. but I mean, sometimes people are—it appears as if, yes. you know, you and you know, two people you're, are yes. married and, and within God's plan, but there might be— you
1: know, activity, activity outside of that,
0: yeah. or even within it that is not part of God's
1: plan. Yeah, the way that I, that's why I think it's really important for our kids to understand and really for us, it has to start, we always talk about that, you know. Yeah, it has to start with us. It that. has to start with us that I understand that God's plan for sexuality is more, and I, I say this in an upcoming sermon, it's more than playtime for adults. Yes. That's the way our world kind of treats us. It's the most fun you could have. It's better than a trip to the Six ultimate Flags. The ultimate experience. It's the ultimate experience because it's not just happiness and fun and pleasure, but there's there's also this romantic aspect to it and there's all passion. this kind of stuff. Yeah, passion and all that kind of stuff. And for us to really say there's something sacred about it and I see a lot of I see a lot of marriages and at least I hear about it where even we go, well, all sex really is, is it's just, it's to make babies, or it's to have fun, or it's to be pleasurable, or it's to be romantic. And so then what happens is, we say anything you do in a marriage, as long as it's between a man and a woman, everything's fine. Well, that's not necessarily true either. Mm-hmm. And, and when I, but when I start to see it as sacred, well, then we got a whole other thing. And so I know a lot of marriages where there are people saying, well, you know, it's wrong to watch pornography by yourself, but if you and your spouse want to do it, well, that's a different thing. Cause ultimately the engagement is with me and my spouse. And everything starts to kind of, I think, ultimately, yeah, from there, from there down, it really changes this idea of, I'm really still teaching my kids sex is this ultimate thing.
0: Mm -hmm. And that Um, that desires are sitting there to be met.
1: Yes. Well, that's a whole other... So sex is
0: the ultimate, and so therefore I should desire it. Yes. And then therefore I should meet that need.
1: Yes, that's the ultimate part of this, I think, is that ultimately what happens within... I think, our cultural idea of sex, and I think this is within the church too, I mean, it's within believers, is that uh, really the goal is to find, everyone has a desire and you just have to find the God-ordained way to meet that desire. And there is no, that maybe the way that God ordains me to meet that desire is to what gets referred to often within theologians as consecrating it. Mm -hmm. It's basically letting it die as a sacrifice to God. That when I say, and I used to say this to teenagers, there is no sexual expression that is appropriate for a teenager of any kind. Mm -hmm. There is none, because you're not married. So any thought you have, any website you visit, any physical activity you are having with somebody that is not your spouse, it doesn't matter whether it's same sex or opposite sex, because you're not married, you just don't get to express yourself that way. Mm That is maybe the most countercultural, maybe even offensive thing to say, that if you are not married, you don't get to express yourself sexually. Mm-hmm. In our culture, that's so because it's, I have these desires, I'm attracted to this person, and we think attraction and desire has to be met. Mm-hmm. But the way that God really wants us to do this is that I go, if I'm not married, I need to bring that desire to God and say, God... I'm sacrificing getting to meet this my way. Mm-hmm. And I'm giving that to you. Mm-hmm. And that does become very difficult. It? it does. And it becomes maybe lonely at times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But ultimately, if I bring that before God, the intimacy, the desire that I have for God because I'm choosing to give up this other desire, it grows and it is the most fulfilling thing. Mm-hmm that the greatness we often want for our kids is I don't want them to ever have a desire that they have to give up. Whether it be for money, right? right? For I anything. want them I want them to have more than I, I had. I want I'm them don't want them to give up anything. I don't want them ever have to give up anything because that's what greatness is. The goodness of God is there's a lot of things I choose to give up. There is money that I consecrate and I sacrifice and I could use that for myself, but I give it to God and that grows my desire for him, right? There are words I could choose to say in this argument. There are things I could choose to say to another person and get revenge, but I choose to consecrate that, to forgive that person, to reconcile. I give it to God and my desire grows for him, right? And it's true for sexuality. And there's a way in our culture that what desires are for is to Feed that appetite,, yep. and to grow it to something else. Exactly. And what happens with it, and if we could teach our kids as teenagers really get that, you want to consecrate this desire, you want to give that to God, then it doesn't matter whether it's a same sex attraction or an opposite sex attraction. When you're not married, you've got to consecrate that and give it away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that ultimately, that becomes the way that we kind of instill the truth into that ultimately, your desire is for God, and God is so good. That for many of us, we one day will get to be married and he gives us this bonus goodness.
0: Bonus goodness. This
1: bonus goodness, this sprinkle of goodness, which is free and loving sexual expression within my marriage, Mm -hmm. with my spouse. But that begins by first consecrating those desires and giving them to God. Um, That's a difficult conversation. And as far as the conversations they have to have with other people... Well, I would just teach them, once again, don't make it about you.
0: Don't make it about you. The ultimate thing that wants to prevail in those conversations is love. Yes. And, you know, most of the time your kids aren't sitting around having these big heated debates about this. Yeah. And like you said, it's going to be in the form of someone telling them something. Yes. And you want to be loving.
1: Yes. I like it. So I think that's, I hope that that answers that question and and answers questions you didn't even know you had. Yeah.
0: Right, we're just we're just reading your mind. Yes, exactly. So well, if it's not, you can set it back in. Yes, <laughs> so that, we'll try you know, and do better. Elaborate. You don't have to apologize to us for too many lines. No, you can, you can put a bunch of you can put a bunch of questions in there, but use the uh, form in the show notes for sending questions. And uh, we'll see you next time. Have a great day. A good day. See you. Bye.